This is your host, Josh Sharp, and welcome to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we get a chance to talk about what didn't make it into the sermon this week and what our speaker would have liked more time to engage with. We'll also go over some questions that you might have had and generally just have a good time talking about what was on our speaker's mind. Today, we're here with John Rosensteel and special guest Hakeem Bradley to talk about the sermon, Does the Bible Support Slavery? from our current sermon series, 10 Questions, Exploring Barriers to Our Faith. Well, we have a special guest returning with uh, John and I today. Hakeem Bradley is uh, joining Woo! us again. The, the, that's the crowd going the crowd wild in wild. the background. A good hundred people right He's there. He's got his own, his own fan section. Yeah, like bring back yeah, that guy point, who made know, sense yeah. in the podcast. I appreciate you know, we have it. a lot of lot of appreciation for you, man. So now. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had you give us your bio a little bit, but this mm-hmm. week I'm just kind of wondering, man, what's what, what have you been up to the past few weeks? Yeah, just spending a lot of time with the fam. We just got back from the beach. What's today? Tuesday? Just got back on, oh, yesterday. So that was fun. Man. So the, the beach meaning uh, the Oregon coast? Yeah, Rockaway Beach. See, I, I'm I sorry. Say, when we say well, beach here, well, I'm it's from different. the East Coast. Me too. So I understand. I, I see you're, you're feeling me. Like I came out here. And, and I think like, you're both wrong because I'm from SoCal and nothing, nothing compares in that sense. On well, the I'd be, I, I first got out. I was so excited to be like, you know, an hour and a half away, and I'd be like, they're like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm gonna drive to the beach. They're like, what beach? They're like, the, they're beach. like the coast. And I, but then I kind of understood it when you know I showed up with like you know. Uh, my snorkel and swimsuit mm-hmm. just ready to take a, a, nope. a dip. And nope. You are not <laughs> oh getting God. in that water. Like this is this no. is for the birds, man. I used right. to complain about Southern California waters being cold and like oh. there's no way I'm touching this water. Well, my parents Absolutely have a beach not. house in the <laughs> outer banks of North Carolina and in the suburb. It's like bathtub water. You know, it's like it's so warm. You're just like <laughs> out here, man. It's like, woo. Yes. So, yeah. all right. So you, you were. So you, we were we were at the place where the ocean and the land meet. Uh, in Oregon. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and thank they call you. it Rockaway <laughs> Beach. All right. Thank you. So that's it, man. Just spending time with the fam and also just thinking a lot about what's going on in our country kind of holistically. So got a lot on the mind. Yeah. I know we've had some major stuff come up. I know we're going to touch yeah. on that a little bit later. For sure. So, but, but yeah. yeah. That's been me the last couple of weeks. Good to see y'all. Yeah. yeah. Good to see you. Great yeah. to have you back, man. Glad to be here. Now, John, with that said, man, um, you made a statement during the sermon that was like you had 47 pages yeah. of notes. That's a yeah. lot, bro. And lot uh, of dissertation yeah. of notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I typically have around 30 to 35. So, mm. you know, when I start writing and um, yeah, I think for all for all preachers out there, I think that's a really important process to, mm. to sit and listen and learn and, and grow from people that know more, which on most subjects is the majority of people other than me. So, <laughs> um, and I think the weight of this question, does the Bible support slavery? Like, I, you know, I wanted to get it as right as I could and I wanted mm. to learn. I knew there's a lot of complexity, a lot of nuance. Um, so I think that was probably the the extra work, but yeah, when you start to write a manuscript and you start with 47 pages, you got to carve it down to, you know, about 10 is my typical yeah, manuscript. Yeah. <laughs> Daunting task. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, with, with that said, man, so what hit the cutting room floor out of that? I... Oh man, I, you know, I, I think a, a lot and we'll, you know, it's more, um, I covered a lot. It wasn't a short sermon, so I covered a lot of topics. Um, Maybe looking back too simplistically, but um, I, I chose to go for for breadth, not depth, at times. 
um, because I felt like there's so many angles of this I wanted to at least touch on. And for this series, I think I'm happy if um, it causes people to drive back into God's word. It causes people to read a book. Mm-hmm. It causes people to be a learner. That's a lot of the just laying my cards on the table. That's a lot of the goal. I don't come with an idea like I'm going to educate uh, these people in 35 minutes on this really <laughs> deep, nuanced, historically wrought topic. Um, I hope it will be catalytic as led by the Holy Spirit into being deeply formed disciples. And so I, uh, as an aside, I had a friend uh, who comes here with her family and um, has a couple teenagers. And I think her daughter is perhaps 16, somewhere in that that realm. And one of the challenges I gave, and I'll repeat today, to read the book of Philemon. I mean, it's only 335 words in the Greek, so mm. come on. Yeah. Um, but read it. Uh, she sent me a picture Monday morning uh, that she her daughter left for school, and she went back to her room and found her Bible open to Philemon. And so I was like, oh, that just warms the pastor's heart. It got me a yeah. little teary, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. You know, cool. like a, a young person, the new generation, that's here's what we talked about uh, Sunday, and and dives in for mm. themselves. And I think that that's a lot of what I hope. So we'll hit the cutting room floor. I mean, man, we'll probably spend a lot of this podcast talking about that, but probably at every point in the sermon, um, and, you know, we, we normally do a brief review, and um, I, we, we, won't, we won't really do that today, but I think from, from the curse of ham, what I, what I open with, yeah. we could go Great on and on. and <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk about a dreary <laughs> opening to a message. Um, but I think, you know, what I'm trying to do in each of these messages is present accurately and honestly the things that we don't maybe want to grapple with or hear. Mm. And, and I think this idea that the, there's been no complicity of the church in racism, which is, I think, historically a ridiculous statement. Um, yeah. This idea of, you know, I wanted people to see how the Bible has been used to subjugate people, I think falsely. Um, I mentioned in the, the musing this week that I wrote that our family went to Washington, D.C., uh, to the Bible Museum, which I highly recommend. Mm. Uh, our friend Tim Mackey and the Bible Project had have some things there. Um, but one of the things we saw there was the Slaver's Bible. Mm. And uh, this is one of only three copies in existence. Yeah, I remember mm. you talking about this thing. This sounded so cool. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I, I think I referenced it mm. in the second ser- service, not the first, just briefly. But it haunted us as a family and our young girls a couple of years ago uh, seeing this. And it just breaks my heart because it um, just angers me. But uh, it also, I was also heartened because to use the Bible to try to subjugate people, they had to cut out large chunks of it. Yeah, how thin was it? That's what was going through my mind was like, they were handing out a pamphlet at this point. That's that's the ultimate answer to the question, does the Bible support slavery? No, not unless you cut out huge chunks of it. You know, I think that that, so it both broke my heart, but almost kind of heartened me as well. Mm. And it didn't persist because that's clearly not the, not the deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, from, from, you know, I could have go, I could go deeper and maybe we will, if you, if you guys want to, into the redemptive hermeneutic aspect of, of how I approached it, uh, that the Bible assumes slavery, but doesn't affirm it. There's much more hmm. to be said there. I think probably the area that we could dive into that I could have gone a lot deeper, but just touched upon and led our church in a prayer of lament, um, is this present thing we're we're wrestling with as a church that I think the, I, I can be hyperbolic, so call me on if this is a hyperbolic statement, but I feel like we're wrestling with the very soul of the church um, in some of these issues. 
And my job as an increasingly older man is to pass on the best version of the church to the next generation. People mm. like yourself and Hakeem, and, <laughs> and I, I deeply believe in the underlying premise of this entire series is that Jesus and the way of Jesus is good and beautiful and true. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Um, but it doesn't always come off that way. Yeah. So, so this idea of, of how, how people are uh, Christians and churches and political ideologies are responding to this idea of, one, either America is, has been complicit in slavery or the church. It's, a, it's, it's kind of the same reaction mm-hmm. that yeah. I want to help people yeah. to work through. And what I did Sundays gave us a prayer to pray through. So I think there's, there's a lot more there I can talk about, a million more stories. I actually rushed at the end. Um, I'd love to talk a lot more about the invisible church, and that's hmm. the, 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 the black church that rose up uh, uh, from uh, people who were enslaved yeah. in the South. I think it's one of the most remarkable stories of the power of the gospel. I could have said a ton more about Philemon. <laughs> you know, I just brushed across that. I could talk, I mean, I listed these people, William Wilberforce, Charles Spurgeon, John Wesley, Charles Finney, Harriet Beecher Stowe, Harriet Tubman. I mean, I put in the resources biographies, I think of Harriet Tubman and Harriet Beecher Stowe. I can't remember exactly, but go read their stories. Yeah, those I resources mean, are available online unbelievable too. Unbelievable stories. So I guess I could go audit on, Josh. I mean, any of that could have been entire sermons, and maybe it should be at some point. Frederick Douglass's story. Um, the The new biography that I did put in the resources, David Bright, David Blight. I can't remember his name. He's a world. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning historian. Just came out with a new biography of Frederick Douglass. I gave it to my dad for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, it's massive. It's like nine hundred pages. But we need to learn these stories. We need yeah. to read them. I mean, he was a slave at thirteen, came to Christ, and despite being enslaved by by white slave owners, and saw the great hypocrisy of what was being done, but still claim the beauty of the gospel and allow that to be his engine that drove him to be one of the great abolitionists um, of our time. So there's, I mean, I could go on and on, but like it was already a long sermon. I know I touched on a lot. I meant to. I hope it was catalytic. I hope today is. If you're listening, you're going to hear a lot. You may be troubled. You may be (laughs) angry. You may be hopeful and excited, but find one thing today that, that you hear Hakeem say or myself say or josh and Mm -hmm. go with it listen to the holy spirit go with it read listen learn dig into scripture i guess that'd be my challenge Hmm. yeah yeah and it was it was a it was a heavy sunday hakeem you had you had watched uh the sermon uh to degree anyway on your catch up there how'd you feel after that I was like, yeah, good job, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Solid, it was, man. I, I, it was, it was What broad. if he was I like, mean, I didn't like it. It was terrible. <laughs> Take it I down. would have loved it. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was funny coming into this last weekend, John, because I, I, you know, I knew what we were walking into, and, and we had talked about that and several of us, and it was interesting because I was like, you could rabbit trail this thing to death. There are hmm. so many avenues to go down. Um and yeah, I, like you said, we have several sermons, and maybe we, we'll just do a bunch of podcasts on the side. Mm. <laughs> can, uh, can I can I ask uh, our our valued guest a question? Yeah, yeah is yeah. that is that? Um, I I <laughs> we were talking about guest. this a little bit before. Um, our honored honored guest. I appreciate um, <laughs> we I'll talked about silent. this a little before we started going live, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I know was I was kind of trying to memorize the sermon, and then you know, the, the news story of what happened in Buffalo came yeah. across um, 
our news wire, yeah. our TV screens, our computers, however people get their news. Right? Mm-hmm. I know some people didn't, weren't aware of it even Sunday morning, but I stay up late. And, <laughs> uh, and yeah, digging in, um, just horrific, right? Racist, hate crime, the whole deal. Yeah. White conspiracy theories, the, the whole nine yards, kind of like in one, one story. Broke my heart. And yet, as I shared Sunday, there was parts of it, too, that were deeply moving. A, a picture of a black church that showed up in the scene holding hands and praying in the parking lot. Um, mm-hmm. So many things going on. But, obviously, I, I'm, I'm a white man responding to that. And um, as, a, as a young black man, uh, seeing the same story, yeah, what were you feeling? What was, mm-hmm. what was going through your mind and heart as you read about that? This one hit a little different for me. I think for so, well, one, the context that I grew up in as a kid and as a teenager, I'm just used to violence in general. So there's kind of like an unfortunate desensitization that happens with that. But over the years, um, seeing in the media particularly and watching videos of people losing their lives and to see people who look like me losing their lives Mm -hmm. on camera, and then to watch, I told myself, I was like, Hakeem, don't watch this. I haven't watched any type of death video in a while since George Floyd. That's the last one I watched, so I'm not mm-hmm. watching anymore. And I said, I got to I gotta see this clip, though. Like, what is going on? I saw the young man driving up in his car and immediately gets out and just starts shooting, like shoots at this woman that's walking across. And I was just like, oh, my God. What draw, like, what drew this kid to this point? And my heart sunk for a lot of different reasons, but what one thing that really got me was how young he was. I mean, his kids were 17, 18 years old? Yeah. Who discipled you? Who lied to you? Mm. Who deceived you to get you onto this path to have this type of ideolo- like ideological warfare going on where you think these theories and conspiracies and then you take that out on people just trying to get groceries? That doesn't make sense. So that's on one hand. And on the other hand, I'm thinking, I was stressed because I'm going, how will Christians now try to deflect and try to both end this situation? Because mm. it's coming. All right, this is what happens every time. We can't just look at one event without going, well, what about, you know, the, the black dude who, like, drove a car into a bunch of white people in, what was that? This is some city that starts with a W or what have you. It's like, oh, what about the black guy that was on the train in New York and just started shooting people because he had an ideology that actually is similar to the one I grew up in. I talked about in mm. my, my stuff last week, the Nation of Islam, all of that stuff. Well, what about that? And it's just like, that's terrible too. What, what's your point? Why are you bringing that up as if that's deflecting or negating the issue at hand right now, mm. which is also in your face? Well, just be consistent. Shout it all down. What makes you think people aren't talking about those things just because you might not see a tweet or a repost, or an article, or whatever. So without getting into the media, you know, wants you to think X, Y, and Z, and these narratives, and blah, 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 I'm just going, oh my, here we go again. Mm. I feel sorry for uh, for the young man who, I'm like, yo, how did you get to that point? And I pray that there's repentance there. And then I just mourn over the losses of lives again. These people were just trying to get groceries. They got killed because they had darker, complex skin. Yeah. What? That's how I felt. It's more shock than anything. Yeah. Thank you for for sharing that. I um yeah. I think so much of I heard a definition of 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 kind of active listening and compassion the day of like 
attempting to enter someone else's story. Mm -hmm. And I think just having you here from a a different background and upbringing and for some people a different skin color, Mm -hmm. being able to hear your story and inhabit it is is helpful. And so thank you for sharing it. I think one of the words that you you shared that jumped out at me that that I think is worth a little bit of conversation is is uh, asking the question, who discipled him? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really profound question. And I think, you know, for those who listen to this podcast that maybe you just happened upon this and probably were, you consider me your pastor and Josh your pastor and Hakeem by default maybe your pastor because he's a pastor <laughs> in the city of Portland. I think we would, we would at, challenge you with that question. Who's discipling you? Yeah. And um, in this day and age, we get discipled by the books we read and um, the cable news we watch yeah. and the people we, we choose to let in there. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship yeah. is not an innately spiritual church thing per mm-hmm. se. The roots of the word is just being formed in the image of another. Yep. And so I think that's a great question that how we use our time, who, who we give our minds and hearts, who, who we give our ears to. And um, we'll just leave that question ringing out there. Mm. And I think that's a profoundly compassionate way for you to view it. Um, having compassion on the young man in a way is what mm. I was hearing you say. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. like, that, not that he is not, I did not hear you saying he's not responsible for his actions and that he shouldn't, you know, get, get uh, justice for that or, or find, or, or judgment should not be uh, administered to him. That's not what we're saying. But within that, that that young man did not get born into the world mm-hmm. coming out of the womb growing up saying like i want to go one i want to grow up one day to go kill people of a different color yeah someone discipled him he's a young man as mm-hmm. if he's 17 or 18 or whatever his age is yeah i think he is around that age yeah. we know biologically his brain isn't even fully formed no <laughs> we know this that's that's, that's, a, that's a fact yeah. and so you know those of yeah. us who who do have fully formed brains and you know my family sometimes questions that still. <laughs> um, I think we have a responsibility, right? Like how we yeah. talk, how we carry ourselves, the words we say. Um, I, I mean, I see my girls are watching us all the time. And mm. My brokenness comes through and a harsh word or this or that. Like how I spend my money, how I spend my time, they're watching. I'm discipling them. And so yeah. thank you for that word. I think that's in this whole conversation, um, Who's discipling you? Who are you listening to? Listen to wise voices that are mm. bearing good gospel fruit <laughs> and are walking the talk and are tethered to King Jesus yeah. and not people who aren't. Yeah. Stop consuming stuff Yeah, that is leading you on a path of destruction. That's a very tangible, like I say this a lot um, in conversations with friends and family. It's like you're either going down a road to life or that of destruction. Mm. And the voices, the people the things that you are involved with are helping you go down one of those paths. And that doesn't mean that you're fixed on one. You can switch and go back and forth. But like this young man clearly was consuming information that led him down the road to destruction, not only to the destruction of lives for other people, but for his own. You will always be remembered as the guy who shot people at this grocery store in Buffalo, New York. And what that does to his soul, I can only imagine. So it's like, may God have mercy and do something. I don't know. Yeah, I think I was going to mention this later, but I think it's an apropos time, and I'm interested in your thoughts on it too, Hakeem. But um, another thing, another, you know, somebody may be saying, well, 
John and Hakeem, how do how do we choose our disciples, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mentioned one thing, fruit of the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. wisdom and maturity and tethered to King Jesus, those kind of things are, are ones I would give as kind of a, if you have a checklist. Mm-hmm. But I think a, a one that I've been thinking about a lot that may be a really easy question to ask is, um, who's trying to get you to be afraid? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I think fear, <laughs> right? We, 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 we have so many prophets of fear and... Um, that's an easy fear. one for the right and the left, I think. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah. I don't want to get into who's more, who's less. That's not helpful. Yeah. I see it on the right and the left. Yeah. yeah. And and this supposed manifesto and theory of great replacement, we don't need to get into that. People can, can Google it at their own dismay. It's a fear-driven ideology. It's not true, and it's driven by fear. And I think mm. I see uh, both the right and the left stoking fear. I see pastors stoking fear. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I think it can sometimes lead to bigger crowds, um, and it yeah. can sometimes lead to yeah. more clicks. I think mm-hmm. it does. We know this from social media. Uh, we know this from news. Um, if you're if you're going to have a headline that could potentially stoke fear, somebody's going to click on it. Now, this is not to say there aren't things in the world to be concerned about that we should right. be naive fools. That's right. not what I'm saying. We should be people of hokmah wisdom. But the Bible, one scholar said, 365 times it says in the Bible, do not fear. Mm. One for every day. Come on. <laughs> day, day <Take> that. <laughs> so, right? It's like one of the, if not the most uh, frequent commands in Scripture. So there's something to look for. If the person you're watching on cable news or some pastor that you don't even know from another city or book writer or blogger or person you follow on Twitter is constantly, you're engaged with them and you come away scared, run. Mm. Just yeah. run. That's, that's foolishness. And is, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, we are called to not fear. We follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Doesn't mean everything's going to be right. Doesn't mean everything's going to go great. There's things to be concerned about in life, but like we don't need to be afraid. And so I think that's a good thing. I mean, I say it to myself. I, I have days that I'm scared for sure. I don't know. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on fear as you see people interacting with this economy of fear? Um, what are your thoughts? It's a moneymaker. It's a great motivator, and it's a great catalyst mm-hmm. for things to happen. Um, I even think about slavery, right? Like the topic that you just talked about. Slavery has a component of fear. Why are you enslaving a people? What is it about these people that makes you want them to be subjugated to you? Mm. What are you afraid of if they're truly liberated in a holistic manner? not just being physically liberated, but they're mentally and emotionally able to be who God created them to be. What What is that? that in, it gets you, you get what I'm getting at. I'm just, yeah, I'm verbally yes. processing that. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, well, I mean, in your relationships in, our, in my marriage with my wife or my relationship with my kids or mm-hmm. anybody, right? If I'm, if fear is my catalyst, mm-hmm. it's not gonna go well. Yeah. Something's broken in me and, and the results of that and the fruit of that are not going to go well. It's going to manifest within with control mm-hmm. or manipulation or false things, and it's not going to lead to flourishing. Nope. And and the design that God has upon our lives to be fully human. Yeah. It's dehumanizing. Fear is, I think, innately dehumanizing, and yet we traffic in it all the time. I know I do. You know, mm-hmm. it, it weaves its way insidiously into our lives. You know, I don't. I don't think I'm that guy that's going to like overtly use fear as a, as a dominating force, but I think it, it sneaks up on you, right? Yeah. It's effective. Yeah. It's I effective. Mean, that's, 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm mm. sure if I gave good thought to it, I, I use it in my parenting style a lot because I, I do get scared sometimes when I look at my young girls going out into a savage world. I'd be a liar if I said that, right? Yeah. So, oh, man, I use fear all the time. You can ask my kids. <laughs> 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 you got me nailed. I... <laughs> That's your yeah. new parenting book, Josh. You know? yeah. Fear. Strike fear. Never the have to actually children. do anything. <laughs> I mean, you want your kids to be rightly informed and concerned, yeah. right? You, but, yeah. like, it's different than fear. And I, I think people are smart enough listening to that can decide disseminate between the two things we're not yeah. we're not again saying be foolish and naive we know there's serious things in the world we know people can get hurt that's not what we're saying mm. but fear is that you know and like just listen to the people who are discipling you and please 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 especially in the regards of topics like this that are deeply emotive and have a propensity to be taken to political ideological extremes mm-hmm. listen to the people trafficking in fear and yeah. they're on the right and the left, whatever your political persuasion is, listening to this podcast. Um, they're both there. So like, what are people afraid of for questions like this to be explored? Yeah. What are you afraid of? People start asking the questions. Does the Bible like support slavery? Does it condone it? What's the deal with all of that? What What are you afraid of people coming to a, a conclusion on? Like you have to go through the journey. It's like fear in and of itself attempts to preserve life. Mm. Or attempts to preserve that which you have control over. But it actually ultimately, like the ultimate trajectory, is death and destruction. That's what it ultimately leads to. Instead of it being, for example, well, I'm afraid to like give away money and be generous as people because I want to preserve my mortgage, my bills, my way of life. Mm. But actually it's corrupting you. That mentality is actually soiling your character and the way that you operate towards other people. It's doing the very opposite effect of what we intend or what we think motive of fear can actually get us to, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I, I do want to, with all, all that said, I do want to give some kudos to, to our church. Um, you weren't here on Sunday. Do you preach? Are you a preacher? I do. From time right, to time. We might, have to, we might have to bring in Hakeem to bring the heat. <laughs> yeah. He's really tall. He's, I'll, I'll just prepare you yeah, guys psychologically. Like, do I don't uh, know if he sounds short on the podcast, but he's really, he's really tall. If it's shorter than John, well, we can talk. <laughs> we were talking about basketball before we, we started filming. He could definitely shoot right over me. Like, it's no oh, problem. Yeah, he just, like, sure. shoved me out of the way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you weren't here, Hakeem, but, I mean, I just want to say this. One, you know, uh, thanks for letting me be your pastor. And I'm sure sometimes you guys are like this guy, you know, just will, you know, he just, what, he, what is he doing going after these questions and all the <laughs> wild things I take this church on? So I'm grateful hmm. that you haven't kicked me out yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew, you know, my opening was the curse of ham. And if you haven't listened to the message, go listen to it. I, I think that you should with, with all due respect. But, um, that's not a soft opening. Right? No. And, and, you know, I read body posture a lot up here and, um, you can see when people start and cross, you know, you know, the cross the arm thing and oh, yeah. kind of the stiff posture. And I just want to give kudos to our church. I didn't see any of that. Come on. I, I don't know if you were watching in the back, but uh, I, I yeah. saw a soft spirit, um, mm. a receptivity. Yeah. Um, it was a sobering message, but I think it was also hopeful. Um, at yeah, least for that being, wasn't it, for that it being as heavy as it was, it didn't feel tense in the room. And I didn't felt feel that tense. Mm. And then even my mm. engagement with people afterwards, I've not yet gotten any angry emails or texts. Maybe there's people who just decided to leave days, the church. <laughs> they're just like, they're just like oh, that's it. I, peace out. But um, yeah, from the interactions and conversations I've had with people of color from our church, mm. it was deeply meaningful. Um, wow. Some of them said that they 
had been going to church all their life and no one had ever acknowledged, you know, mm. taken time to acknowledge the mm. complicity in the past. Yeah. Um, but also our white brothers and sisters, um, they're here that are courageously trying to read books and ask questions and have soft hearts. Mm. I just want to say I'm grateful. So some of you are listening to this. You weren't here Sunday. You're not part of our church. Thanks for listening anyway. Um, but for those of you who are part of our church, just thanks. I just, I mm. recognize that. And that's something we've been working hard on the last couple of years. I think that's God's grace and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm mm. excited where that's going to lead. So sorry, I know that wasn't, but I just, I don't want to, <laughs> I know we, it's a good uh, helpful statement. No, yeah, yeah it goes without saying yeah, sometimes yeah. and I want to say it. Yeah. One of the questions that I kind of developed over listening to other people kind of talk around this subject Sunday and Please, both of you, Hakeem, John, speak to this and, and maybe your different views on the answer because I could see why it would have different answers. But it was it was just interesting to kind of go through this and I had hesitancy. Anyway, the yeah. question is, uh, what constitutes as slavery? Hmm. Um, because I heard some very loose definitions from, from church members. I'm not saying, well, that's not like it's not wrong, hmm. but I also feel like it waters down some of what slavery really is mm -hmm. um so yeah if, if you guys I'll, I'll kick that out to you yeah it's a small question no big deal Hakeem, go ahead <laughs> <No You. big. laughs> well i mean a, a super reduction reductionistic uh definition that i come to is just like okay when another human being is in servitude to another human being that's a form of slavery however how that fleshes out is dependent upon culture, context, uh, environment, the circumstances in which somebody is serving. It, it's too broad of a thing to just give one simple definition to, especially because there's different forms of slavery, indentured servitude, chattel slavery, kidnap slavery, sexual slavery, and the list goes. Yeah. Imprisonment slavery, you know what I mean? That's something that we got today. Anyways, yeah, there's just too many different forms in which slavery actually fleshes out um, or servitude fleshes out. So I don't think you can give one simple definition and it just be all encompassing. That's just my take though. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I mean, again, I would, before I, I say a few things, I would go to the pastoral depth and be like, make sure that when you're asking this, this isn't a wiggle room question. Mm -hmm. You know, that like we want to get into the minutia of it so we just don't have to deal with the reality of it. And yeah. and I want to give benefit of the doubt. And uh, unless I see somebody trying to do that, I'll assume they're not. Hmm. But I, I see that a lot with, with questions. And like I appreciate it from an academic standpoint. And I'll say a few things here about that. But the the heart of it is kind of, as I, as I said, you know, I, I spent a considerable amount of time talking about how first world slavery was dramatically different than chattel slavery, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it was. But yeah. then I just said, but slavery slavery, mm -hmm. right? And like that doesn't remove the issue of how the Bible interacts with it, slavery mm -hmm. slavery. I mean, the, the word slavery from an edum. From, from purely definition is to be enslaved, right? So that's not very, very helpful. Hmm. But I think the, you know, we, we can probably come up with a collection of, you can just Google it at home and, and come up with it. But the Roman code that I quoted on Sunday, which that, that was from the first century, is when one person owns another, essentially. There's, there's hmm. more to it than that, but I, I yeah. kind of simplified it. And that's still true. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the, I think the, the modern definition is, you know, 
when when one when one person is th- there's a legal element to it um when one person is the legal property of another and forced to obey them is mm. is is probably the first one you'll get mm-hmm. when you google it yeah. and so there's a legal element to it right from a pure definition standpoint um and then the force too mm-hmm. is is one so so international justice mission which is incredible and i challenge everybody to check out like they have a strong legal arm to this because there's a mm. legal things they have lawyers that go all over the world doing the legal fight and then people that also do other things to set slaves free wow. um but to your point hakeem like um it's it's doesn't have to be legal. I, I almost feel uncomfortable with that definition because mm. I think there there's tons of, of of slavery that's that's happening that maybe would pass some version of a legal test, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely slavery, mm. and it can come into a, a, a you know it's kind of like abuse. What's the definition of abuse? Well, my goodness, right? Mm. Mm. I mean, with both of those things, I think I think it was Justice Potter Stevens. Um, Way back in, I think the '60s, they were trying to they were having a court, uh, a case on pornography and mm-hmm. trying to define pornography again. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and his classic quote is, "Well, I don't know what a good definition would be, but you you, you know it when you see it." <laughs> and uh, and I think the same things when it comes down to like abuse and mm. and, and slavery. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't do the work, especially in a legal world, because that is a again dig into that there's a strong legal aspect to this discussion and mm. so in many instances yeah, people need to sure. legally be set free yeah. as crazy as that is in our world but of course uh slavery in america is is illegal and yet there's sixty thousand, mm. right so it, it runs in different planes and um, but i think you, you know it when when you see it mm. and and in our gut we know what, what's happening when you know one person is the the personal property of another or a person is forced to obey. So mm. again, we can get into child labor mm. all over the world, which Absolutely. that's cutting room floor stuff that I didn't even touch. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I thought about going there, but man, oh man, I mean, what can we do to fight modern day slavery? Well, watch where we buy and what we buy mm-hmm. and do some research. Um, and yet it's tough. Trust me. Try to buy some clothes that aren't made in countries that are known to use child workers. It's yeah. really, really difficult. Yeah. And it becomes very expensive. So it's a huge topic. So yeah. anyway, I'm getting I'm getting off uh, topic, but I think I think we're on the same page that there's there you know it when you see it. It's basically one person subjugating or owning or making someone else do what they want them to do hmm. consistently and systemically. Something hmm. to that effect. And I think Josh, you brought up prior to recording this this uh, live debate uh, amongst what terms to use, you know, the, the people. Yeah, the idea of uh, slavery versus enslaved mm-hmm. people. Correct. And, you know, again, Google this, it'll be a rabbit trail. and It's not an unimportant topic. And, and I think this is probably led by people more from, from, from the left. But, you know, the argument is something to the effect of moving away from using the word slave because mm-hmm. that has a very deep identity aspect to it that that's just what you are you're a slave and nothing more i understand that and i think that's an important conversation versus enslave suggests something's being done to you against mm-hmm. your will i think that's a an important thing to clarify there's um, some nuances in it there's nuances sure. in it and, and again but let's not get too wrapped up in semantics yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. like it's slavery slavery and it's evil and horrible 
And, and, and again, not always about racism. It is in this country. It, it is about skin color predominantly, but increasingly so in the modern slavery, it, it's, it's less so. Mm. And historically, it was less so. So you know, yeah. we need to deal with that history in the church and in America, yes, and repent and make sure that never creeps in again. But there's lots of manifestations of it as well. Mm. For sure. What else you got? <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> you had so much earlier. No, I, uh, I, you know, I'd like to go back to, you know, spend some more time talking about the, the response of, of people. Um, and we, we talked about this two weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, of Christians that I think are, have really good hearts and they want to grapple with this stuff and, and they want to learn. And, um, yeah, I said it Sunday. I I remember. Yeah, you know, let me set this up a little bit, and then I want to I want to hear you, Hakeem, on this. Uh, but you know, when everything was happening with George Floyd and mm-hmm. and all those kind of things, and I think our team and Josh may have been in some of those meetings back then. And it was right in the middle of COVID, and it was such a chaotic time. Yeah. I said, you know, I want to I want to build some friendships with people of color. I want to learn and listen. We don't know what we're talking about. And we need to be good listeners and not overreactive. But I also didn't want to give um, a, 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 an appearance of inactivity like we were tone deaf. And so we were talking a lot to people. We were talking to law enforcement officers mm-hmm. in our church. We were talking to yeah. people of color in our church. How are you feeling? How do we pass? How do, how do we all be part of one church? And so many incredibly good hearted people mm. in both of those worlds. But I, uh, we decided at the end of the day to kind of have two tracks. One was like we would put out a statement, kind mm. of just acknowledging, uh, kind of like we did in our prayer a little bit, but, but a, a, a longer statement. And then the other track was going to be listening, learning, building relationships the long haul, right? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do to, to – and we're, we're still on that. And we've yeah. got a whole team called the Beloved Community and uh, incredible uh, group of men and women uh, helping us uh, – build out what it looks like to bring racial reconciliation and racial justice to the, to the church and to the country. So mm-hmm. super proud of them and the work they've been doing over the last two years. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting in that statement, <clears throat> and sadly, this breaks my heart. Um, I still stand behind the statement, think it was wonderful and good, and it, it, was, it was thoughtful, it was prayerful, all that. Um, but the reaction, right, that we got from, from some folks of, of just anger, mm. you know, we had people leave the church, um, because we, we apologized. We said we're, we're so grieved and broken for how the church has participated and been complicit. And for the things that we see, we could have done better and we could have done more. And, and the ways we don't see yet that we could have done better. We're just sorry, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I got a lot of, not a lot, but th- there was a, a thread of response of anger. And again, some people leaving the church of like, how dare you apologize on our behalf? Or, you know, mm-hmm. New Hope's had people of color on staff before people new hope new hope has people of color that attend yeah um man oh man yeah can you can you can you help us there a little bit <laughs> be kind be gentle like with what that what what is that you know again like you were so gracious to this man earlier you know like who discipled right i think that's like what have we grown up in here that that's our first response mm-hmm. or we mentioned this in the last podcast when you know Black Lives Matter, again, not supporting the organization. Please hear that, podcast listeners. But yeah. you, when people say, do Black Lives Matter? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they yes. do. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. 
That's yeah. it. We just we just move on from there. Like, how can we not say that? Do 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 Asian lives matter? Yes. Do white lives matter? Yes. All that's true. Instead of getting in the nitty gritty of nuancing, there's no nuance there. It's mm. just a yes. Mm. But what do you when you? I mean, you 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 bump around with a lot of churches like New Hope, like yeah. same tribe of folks, and uh, you've been around the block numerous times here. <laughs> what have you learned? What can you say to us? What, and be honest with us on how that feels when you hear those things. You had to have heard those same some of those same things. Mm. I'm guessing. Yeah. But you talk. Yeah, a lot of times I find myself asking, "So what?" Like you had people of color on staff. You got people of color at your church. We don't need to be, what are we apologizing for? It's just like, well, so what that you had all of that? Why are you feeling so riled up about the idea of just corporately saying like, yo, I'm sorry that this has been a reality and we want to help change the trajectory of stuff. What's wrong with that? And I guess I just found myself asking, I used to get more angry. She'd be like, bro, I just don't get it. Like just every time I have a conversation, there's always somebody just trying to deflect. Like, why can't we just mourn and lament, yada, yada, yada. Now I just find myself asking the same question. Who led you to that point? Hmm. Who told? Who deceived you? The idea, I remember, like, I was on staff at a church, predominantly white suburban church, and they were like, yo, the idea of corporate repentance is, like, asinine. And I'm like, have you read the Bible, my guy? Like, <laughs> specifically, like, the Hebrew the scriptures in particular. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the people were held responsible for even things that a few did, the whole group is yep. the, the, you know what I'm saying? It's just like yeah, the idea yeah. that the nation would repent and then fall back into idolatry and then they repent and fall back. It's like, that's the whole trajectory. So the idea of a church who is being uh, engrafted into that history, why isn't, like, why is that an issue for us to also go like, dang, like we got some stuff going on in our history that we need to change our mind and thinking about. We need to turn away from metanoia, all of that stuff in Greek. Like we need to reframe and reorient ourselves around a different way of being a people. What is so conflicting about that? I'm not saying that there isn't issues that cause uh, a need maybe for nuance in certain things or that there aren't different perspectives that have valid points on whatever side you may fall on on whatever issue. But the question is, I just have a hard time with the issue that there is a hard time yeah you know what i mean like uh-huh. for example yeah. real quick i don't know if any of that made sense but it made it's just like sense. it's like even with the topic of slavery well i've heard recently well white people were enslaved too at some point it's like okay like what that doesn't deflect the fact that we're still talking about what's going on in the history of this country have people of european descent been enslaved in history absolutely have people of asian descent been Enslaved? Absolutely. People of all types of descent. Yes. Has there been times where even Native Americans have enslaved Africans in this country? Like, man, there's a whole concoction, nevertheless. But the the reality is we have a history in this country mm-hmm. of slavery, period. So we need to address that. And Christians willingly participated and even fueled the fire in this institution called slavery in America. You have to address that as the church. Why? Because people like me, from where I grew up, look at this faith and go, this is a white man's religion. Why? Because it's designed and it's only a thing because it wants to oppress and enslave people. That's the whole purpose of this faith. You didn't know anything about Christianity until they brought you over here and boats took your name, your culture, your language, and told you you need to worship this white dude named Jesus. That's the narrative I was taught growing up. 
And you telling me this conversation or anything around race in the church is problematic? No, like your witness matters because those folks need to know about uh, an Israelite Palestinian man named Yeshua of Nazareth, who's anything but a white dude, but has been on a mission and has done something catastrophically different than anybody. Like, not catastrophic. That sounds terrible. But like, um, yeah, because catastrophe is not as negative connotations. (laughs) He has done something radically different than any other human being, any other human leader has ever done in the history of the world and it's made people from every corner of the earth say i want to follow this way of life what do you mean we don't need to be talking about this you want to be angry and go to another church cool go to an echo chamber do what you need to do and be content with robbing yourself of holistic formation as a follower of jesus be content with that Mm. that's the consequence yeah i think that brings to mind some of the conversation i had earlier about the church historically, the church now, um, and the the fight to what some would call keeping the peace, hmm. um, but keeping ultimately the norm or their priorities or their comfort levels, hmm. um, rather than dealing with what has to be dealt with. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking with uh, someone on our team earlier in uh, Martin Luther King's uh, Birmingham writings. Hmm. Um, and those those were to the church. Yep. Yeah. Like, like specifically, <laughs> like yep. exactly that. Yep. To my brothers and so, like to my folks in the faith. Yeah. I'm writing these letters. Like come come on. I'm writing this letter. Letter from Birmingham Jail. I'll never forget reading that and going, Oh my God, he's been saying the same we've been saying the same stuff for how long? People say, Well, it's just critical race theory. Really? Well, what about those who were saying the stuff before critical race theory ever existed, such as Dr. King, such as Harry Tubman, such as Frederick Douglass, just to name the folks we've been talking about in this conversation. It's just like, are you kidding me? Like, well, okay, sorry. I, just, I got so many thoughts go, going man, through go. my head. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to me there's a fear. When you bring this up, there's a fear that enacts itself and goes, all hell is going to break loose if we open these cans. We want to keep the peace. Who's, what peace? Who's feeling peaceful? Is it those who are just comfortable in the echo chambers? That could be black, white, Asian, whatever. I'm just saying. Who, what peace are you talking about? Because there's a lot of folks out here who don't feel peaceful in the church. You want to say, let's not cause division in the church. What do you mean by the church? Are you talking about white evangelical churches? Because black churches are still talking about this stuff. Asian churches are talking about this stuff. Native American churches are talking about this stuff. Multiracial churches. Sorry, I just accidentally threw something. <laughs> People are still talking about these things and have been for, for decades and centuries. What are you talking about? Division. No, this, is, this might be a new-ish conversation to some folks in these type of spaces, but this is a historical dialogue. Welcome to the party. What do you mean dividing the church? When you say the church, who do you imagine? We're all the church. This isn't just majority culture. That's not the gatekeepers of the faith. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to go. I'm not going. Listen, everybody, I'm not angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going on a rant. It's just this is the rhetoric that I hear. Yeah. It's like, man, we can't we can't talk about slavery. We can't talk about any of that historical stuff because it's going to cause it's dividing the church. No, no, it's not. 
because the church is way bigger than just the local space that you find yourself in. That's an aspect of the church, but the church is global. And sweetie, the church is dealing with a lot of different issues at the same time that aren't dividing it. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Amen. I, I agree with all that. And, you know, I just want to say for, for people that hear us talking, I think there's a couple of different things that are forming disciples to, to continue that theme that prevent us from having these honest conversations. And I think one is political ideology. Mm-hmm. And again, some of you feel fear creeping in your heart as you listen to us. Listen to that. You know, we're not trying to stoke fear here. We're trying to bring freedom and speak truth as followers of Jesus, as, as brothers who have different skin color sitting across the table from one another. And I, I, uh, I don't know your political affiliation, nor do I want to. I don't mm. think that matters at all. And I know, I know who you are. I know where you go to church. I know who you work with. And we are deeply rooted followers of Jesus that care uh, passionately about being faithful to the scriptures. And sure. so I just want to set people's minds at ease there. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It, don't try to put woke on me or my brother Hakeem. Mm. That's not what's going on here in this mm. conversation. I think that's a way to dive and divert. And that's more about political ideologies and fear stoking from the outside than it is about what's going on in this conversation. Yep. So don't do that. Um, listen. Uh, two, I think the other thing that gets woven in is being American. And I think this is really, you know, maybe more pronounced where you grew up or who you are, but I think really goes across every skin color and every culture if you've grown up in this country at all. And that's this, this cult of individualism. Mm-hmm. And I think it's some of the great strength of America and our Achilles heel, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, cause yeah, I think yeah. there's nothing wrong with, nothing yeah. wrong with pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and working yeah. hard. And I, neither of us are saying there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And is there an aspect in scripture of, me being a sinful person that needs to be atoned for at the cross and you, Hakeem, being a sinful person and Josh, absolutely, 100%. Um, but is there a collective uh, sense to that as well? 100%. Yeah. And because of growing up in this country, uh, we just need to understand that to our detriment, we've highlighted individualism both theologically and sociologically to the detriment you know, we got the most, one of the most depressed countries in the, in the known world right now, and our communities are fractured and coming apart, you know. And so I think we're recorrecting. I'm hopeful in that. I think the church can lead the way in that. But I think yeah. that plays a role in this conversation because yeah. people have not been discipled well and trained well and pastored well. And I'll take accountability for that. I've been a pastor for a long time. I'm yeah. not trying to throw stones here at all. I need to be, do a better job of teaching that. But this idea of collective sin and generational sin being passed on several generations is all over the Bible. And Jesus died for that, too. And Jesus will break those strongholds, too, as well as set me right. And so it's both and, not either or. Mm. And so if we allow those things to enter into this conversation, then things start to free up and we start to see things with greater clarity. There are people that are individually racist in how they go about things and have had slaves themselves and there's individual accountability for those actions and that sin needs to be redeemed at the cross and Mm -hmm. was but there is a collective nature of it true and there's a collective complicity of it in the in periods of the american church that has to be lamented and dealt with and confessed whether Mm -hmm. we actually participate or not to bring that analogy back it's our house now Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. our house 
We didn't build it. We didn't maybe make the repairs, you know, but who owning a house would look at a leaky pipe and just keep on living. That'd be Mm. a fool, right? You fix it. And so it's our house and we need to take responsibility. So that's my, it's my call to get into the scriptures. Like anything that we're saying today, I, 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 you can have lunch with Hakeem and I, you can join us for lunch and we will open God's word. Hmm. We won't, we won't reference any political commentator or political ideology or critical race theory or any, we don't need any of that. We just need God's word and we just need the, the God's people and the faithfulness. This is we're, we're trying to be true. Yeah. And I think this is the most pastoral thing I'll say. And I was praying over this and at our team praying Sunday. I think there are, you know, Paul uses the term in Ephesians, principalities and powers. And as best we can tell, those are types of demonic influence and Mm. um, types of demons. And there is a demonic, evil principality and power thing going on with racism Mm. and slavery and all of those kind of things that still has its claws and teeth in the American church uh, and churches all over the world, not just yeah. the American church and avoiding it isn't going to deal with it. Yeah. And if that's what it means by keeping the peace, I want nothing to do with that. Mm. Now we can go about yeah. this conversation and I hope we have. And if you feel like we haven't call us on it. Um, if you think Hakeem is really angry, then you know, you can, <laughs> he's <laughs> not, he's know. smiling this you whole time. <laughs> we can, as the apostle Paul said to Timothy, we're called to go about hard conversations in a kind way. Mm-hmm. He says to Timothy, his young disciple, he tells him actually the Greek word is to be tolerant, mm-hmm. to, to go about it in a, in a way that it shows tolerance, which means that you're, people are going to disagree with you. But he says, if you do it, if you're kind, he's talking, maybe some of them will come to repentance. So we're going to have these hard conversations in a way that brings people together mm-hmm. in a way that's kind. But inherently, some of what we're saying is, is going to call ruffle some feathers. Oh, and, it, and it should. And so be it, is what I'm saying. So be no. it. Because how can we not, if we're going to have a Jesus-centered church that is, that is being, becoming the church that God's created us to be? The world needs us to be whole. It needs us to be healed. It needs us to be diverse and beautiful and good and true. And we, we can't do an end around this. I'm, I'm convinced. And it may leave me with a, a flock of 10 people <laughs> hanging on for dear life. And I'm working part-time at Trader Joe's. That's kind of my, my side dream. Just like get that, get that employee discount. You know, I'm just, I'm just in here. We will whittle down, but I, and I don't think that'll happen. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to, there's no intent to stoke fear there at all. I, I'm just saying as your pastor, um, we're committed to having these conversations in a truthful way. Uh, that's listening and a kind way mm. and is loving and affirming. And um, if you're feeling ruffled, good. You know, allow that to drive us towards action, which I think is maybe a good question to end on because you and I could talk all day on this. We're having mm. lunch tomorrow, so we can continue this conversation. <laughs> yeah. But I know I know this was in your heart, Josh, when you open it. I'll turn it to you, Hakeem. And Josh, if you have thoughts too, it's great. Um, what do we What do we do? You know, I think, you, you know, I think, I think I'm, I'm thinking of the person that's sitting out there Sunday and, and I always, I think all kinds of people when I preach, especially with this sermon, my heart was heavy. Um, I'm thinking of that person that's just like, and I, and I had so many conversations with you, with that type of person, you know who you are, man, they love the Lord mm-hmm. and uh, their hearts are broken when they see Buffalo, their hearts are broken when they hear me talk about, you know, the curse of ham and the complicity in the church and their eyes are opening and they hear that there's 40 million slaves in the world. And mm-hmm. as I did, sorry, everybody just wept in both services Sunday mm-hmm. is, is I couldn't get that out of my mouth without weeping. 
and they wept. There's a lot yeah. of tears in the room then. What do we do? Mm-hmm. You know, not, and I know there's can be separate issues, right? The, you know, cause it's not all racially driven, yeah. the enslavement of people worldwide, but yeah. um, both the, the, the racism that is still kind of got its teeth in some aspects of our country and the American church. Um, but also that, the widespread slavery, 60,000 in America, mm. 40 million in the world, mm. right? So what do we do? I think people can be so overwhelmed as to do nothing. <laughs> and that's the last thing we do. So maybe can we, can we baby step it out for people if they want some next steps and talk to us, give us a pathway forward, Hakeem? Well, <laughs> dang. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that pops in my mind is don't do anything immediately. Mm. You got to marinate. I remember watching this. Uh, this figure is very controversial for some, but Malcolm X. I like. I love. I love some things that Malcolm X would say. There's a movie, Denzel Washington accent, and there's a woman. I don't know if it's a deleted scene or if it's in the. I forget off the top of my head. But there's a white lady that walks up to him. She's like, "What can I do to like help the cause?" And he was like, "Nothing." And I was like, and then he kept walking, and I was just like, "Oh shoot, <laughs> why was that so intense?" But for the moment, he just was like, "Don't don't do anything." Hmm. reckon with what's going on in front of you. And even though it's just a movie, I just thought about that. Like, what, what is the urgency just to immediately go do something? It's like, I'm just, I need to go fix it. You need to go fix what? Hmm. Like, what? why? What is it that's stirring in you that feels the need to go fix? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. Because I want to go do stuff. Jamar Tisby got, got into this in the article, and I still got to go through the book, The Color of Compromise by him. Mm-hmm. And in the article, he's like, yeah, yeah, one of the first things you need to do is just, just lament. Yeah. Just, just, be in it. just acknowledge that it sucks. Yeah. There are millions of people who are enslaved in different capacities. I think one step is learning and getting to know people who actually have been enslaved themselves in your proximity. You have driven your car past somebody who's been sexually enslaved. You have rode the max with somebody who was probably sexually enslaved. You have been in proximity to people today that were sexually enslaved and you didn't know. But yet there are people who've been rescued from that situation that you can get to know the stories of what's going on. Organizations you can talk to, there are probably people in your church you might not know mm. their stories. But that, that's one aspect too. Go visit a prisoner, somebody who's in prison, who's in jail, incarcerated, however you wanna label that. And again, without this going into a whole rabbit trail, but there is an, am- an amendment in our constitution that gives an exception to the rule. It's an abolishment of slavery except for the punishment of a crime. There's so much in our prison systems that is unjust, right? I'm not saying that people should not have to deal with the consequences of, of sin and, you know, wrong that they have done. At, for sure. Do whatever you need to do to help rehabilitate them, right? Mm, yeah. Nevertheless, there are aspects of our prison system that are disgusting. Mm. And it is a form of enslavement of people. Go visit somebody in incarceration. Go talk to them. Hear about the circumstances that they might have found themselves to get to that point, innocent or guilty of whatever. But go down there. OSP. You don't even got to go that far. Maybe uh, something Creek. I forget. It's like a women's jail or something like that. Chalk yeah, Creek. I have, uh, I have uh, Coffee Creek. Coffee Creek. That's I, what it is. I, uh, I taught a, a sermon series there on forgiveness mm-hmm. to about 
50 women. It's the most intimidating <laughs> but beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're taking the, the gospel power of forgiveness, again, mm-hmm. back to Philemon from Sunday, that could bring a slave holder and a slave to the same Lord's table and make mm-hmm. them brothers. And, uh, you know, largely a lot of these women are in there for life. And yeah. uh, they, they've done heinous things, and they're, mm-hmm. they're paying the price for that, but they're still human. And, I mean, to, to watch them come to the communion table, to watch the acts of forgiveness, to hear their stories was a deeply powerful experience for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And, uh, and super intimidating yeah. as well, you know, talking yeah. about being a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yes. I, I love that. And, and yeah, if, if again, as Akeem was talking and, you know, he, he, he's talking about the injustice of the prison system. Don't let that all freak you out and yeah, relax. cancel him and <laughs> all that kind of see it's, it's a real deal. And, and it's a whole nother podcast or more probably talking about, uh, the racism and how it's traditionally and historically, and even in the present, uh, prison system manifests itself and mm. it's a live conversation and you should learn more and, and you should listen but yeah i think so, that's a great so those are just two things to give yeah. you like that i feel like that's maybe not easy but it's simple two simple things to get in front of people but just even on a on a non-people scale something that you can do is read books look up articles one thing i would suggest is like read the testimonies online of recorded uh read recorded testimonies of people who've been enslaved in this country it'll blow your mind some of it's kind of hard to read because the different dialects down south it was like deep south uh type of <laughs> like cajun i was like yo yeah. i don't even know and i'm trying yeah. to like read yeah. it out loud and i'm like <laughs> oh, yeah. dang okay this is a different set of, of words that i'm accustomed to but you read that you go oh my god or read frederick Douglass. yeah the christianity of this land versus the christianity of christ oh my god yeah if i okay not to go too long on this but real quick if I recall correctly, he's in front of governmental people giving the speech, and he's going ham on the. That's a slang term for he's. he's I'm with you. He's I'm going hard, but <laughs> he's going ham on the country, going. There's a hypocrisy in the church in this land, in yeah. the Christianity that has been expressed in this land. There's a hypocrisy because it is contrary to that which I know to be of Jesus and His way of life and movement. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, you had to have some guts. <laughs> to stand in front of all of these people and say it just like that. Read that whole speech. These are these are folks who literally were in the thick of slavery fighting against it in our country, but yet held on to the reality that Jesus, the apostles and their testimony of of Jesus and his teachings and rubric for life, all of that is so compelling that he would reorient his life around that. You can hold these two things aren't mutually exclusive as some would believe from the communities that I come in. But it's a testament to be like, yo, this is, this is our history. It's not just mine. This is our history as a people in America. So anyways, I just feel like those are simple things that you can go do. Yeah, I want to applaud that. And I know we're, we're running long here, so I'll, I'll end this on this. If it's all right, Josh, and I want to affirm the, the, the listening, I think um, I'm still there. And I got, I got so far to go and, um, just to be in your presence, Akeem, and listen to your story. Thank you for that privilege and Mm -hmm. for serving our church by sharing a bit of your story. I know we, we're just seeing a little bit of it, but, Mm -hmm. um, 
it's been beneficial for me personally, so I'm grateful. Uh, spending time with people that are different than us, that, that would, that's something I'll, I'll always recommend. And that's not just skin color. That that's, mm-hmm. can be socioeconomic. It can be political. It can be it's just always good. And no agenda. Just listen. Just enter their stories. Inhabit their stories. Be incarnate there. Um, and yeah, reading. I, I know that our church gets tired of me telling them to read books, but um, I just I just read a book about pastor readers and how we're we're formed by what we read, mm-hmm. and not just articles like books and yeah. fiction books and biographies. And I I I one hundred percent agree with that. So we've mentioned the book Color Compromise. It's it's a shorter read that uh, Dr. Jamar Tisby does a really good job giving us a brief history, but a compelling history and, and, a, and, and a sad history that will cause lament if we have ears to hear. Mm. Um, but he also loves the church and he follows Jesus, right? So he, he's not coming to attack us, but to make us all that we're called to be. Mm. So that'd be one. And, and then we've, we've mentioned several times uh, reading a bi- biography, um, you know, the Frederick Douglass one. I, I have one by, uh, about Harriet Tubman, who was underground railroad. She was called Moses. <laughs> She's an amazing woman. Yeah. Uh, we got to we got to listen to these stories and we got to learn and they're incredible and tell them to our kids and read them to our kids and and those kind of things and then we also reference Martin Luther King Jr and the letters from the Birmingham jail mm. which i think are available free online if you google that you can at least find portions of them i know they're in book form too but sure. uh, i think every pastor should read those every year mm. and uh and and they're they're maybe more pressing it now than they were when they were written if that's mm. even possible <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah. And then finally, some of you are just like, John, I have listened. I have done all those things. I'm ready. Like, mm-hmm. what can I like actually do? Yeah. And that's, if you're part of our local church or another local church, that's where you start live out of your local church. Um, and we have, um, relationships with lots of local organizations involved with seeking, uh, freedom, uh, for people who are enslaved in our community. And we don't have mm-hmm. time to go into all those or how people might get involved, but reach out yeah. to us. Denise oversees our justice ministries and we'll get you set up. And yeah. the, you know, there's ways you can serve upstream and downstream in that conversation. Um, we have some of those resources available online as well through your correct. teaching notes. Yep. Yeah. So if you're ready to do that, if you have listened and, and read and don't see that as a checkbox, always be a listener, learner, reader, always just keep on, keep on till your dying day. But if you feel like you've done a lot of that work and you're ready for action, we can help you with that too. I don't want people to feel like that that we don't want action because there's, you know, I, what do we do? I said, I I said, fight and pray. And so prayer would be, you know, something we probably want to end on here. Cause I think uh, there are gates of hell type stuff going on with this. Mm. There's the evil one and we need the power and authority of the Holy spirit uh, coming through as we embody Jesus Christ and we're his beautiful bride and church. And mm. we, we operate and live out these things in such a way that people point us and say, yes, the gospel is good and beautiful and true. Cause of how there's people living and loving and seeking freedom for themselves and others. That's what we want. That's our hope for our church. So um, can I pray for us? Yeah. yeah. Do you have something else? I, like I was wanna, thinking about something. Do you have a manifesto that you yeah. want to share at the end? <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I'm going <laughs> Actually, yeah, one of the things I was going to say, look, for, for those of you listeners that maybe this did ruffle your feathers, I want to jump back to a little bit of what we talked about in the beginning, and that was this aspect of fear. Um, and discipleship, where that influence is coming from, where we've seen some awful things happen out of some of these things. Uh, as, as a believer, like I know my job 
is to influence people around me and to be careful of what I'm being influenced by. And I got to say, John, like what you were talking about with fear, like that's a great Littman's test. Like if, if nothing else, if you're on that side where some of the stuff started to ruffle your feathers, just start this, just start looking at your life and saying, you know, what, what do I fear? Uh, like Hakeem was talking about, what is it that that's driving this? Is there fear being coming in from an outside source that I'm being way more controlled by than I should be? Mm. Just start there. Mm. Start that thought process because I fear is nothing more than something terribly destructive outside of you. And, and one of the things I always thought about was like, as we were talking through this, it's like the truth will set you free somewhat ironically with the subject, but it was just the whole thing. Fear is so powerful Mm -hmm. and something that can enslave us spiritually. And so, yeah, it's one of those things that again, if, if, if you walk out with nothing else from, from this podcast, just analyze your life for that concept of fear. Where's that coming from? And what are you passing down? Yeah, I think that's a great word. Mm-hmm. Do not fear followers of Jesus. I and mean, the Lord said that again and again. He looked at his disciples. He's like, what are you guys doing? Do not fear. And here's a little Bible trivia question for everybody at home. What is the, uh, what is the antithesis of fear? Um, I mean, I think a lot of times people would maybe answer peace or something like that. But, you know, the Bible tells us uh, it's love. Mm. There is no... There, there is no, uh, no fear, in, um, or love is the antithesis of fear, simply. And, um, and yeah, that's such a powerful realization that, you know, we're called to be people of love and embody love and not be people of fear. And yet I think when you look around and people say, how would you define the church and followers of Jesus? Mm. <laughs> love or fear? You know, and with all due respect, I see a lot of stoking of fear and falling yeah. prey to fear yeah. and being manipulated by fear. Uh, we're, we're called to be people that are known by how they love. And uh, I don't know. I'll just leave people with that. I mean, I, when, when yeah. I, somebody framed that for me one day that, you know, biblically in the biblical context, the opposite of fear is love. Man. <laughs> right? <laughs> And I, uh, my own prayer for our church is that we would not be known as my goodness, like, please fire me right now. If we're, if we're a church known by our fear, Mm. right. That we'd be known new hope, man. That's kind of a ragamuffin crew up there, you know, know, (laughs) but man, they love well, Mm -hmm. they love well. You're not going to get your fear stoked when you go there. They're going to love you. And, um, I hope come Lord Jesus, (laughs) let me, let me pray for us. Thanks for listening, everybody. I know these are not easy topics if you hung with us, and um, just grateful. Thank you. I uh, hope it's beneficial, and thanks again, Hakeem, for your courage and willingness to come in and share yeah, your for us again. story and your wisdom. We benefit from it. We're better for your words. Uh, we're grateful for you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to close by praying this prayer I prayed for all of us uh, on Sunday. To, to yeah. kind of, We had a, a moment of lament. Let's bring that back. Um, so let me close with this prayer. God, Our hearts are broken as we acknowledge how your church participated directly and indirectly with the enslavement of our black brothers and sisters. We uh, lament the evil of racism. We grieve with you and those who were affected. Have mercy on us. Our hearts also break when your church is silent and inactive in response to the racism that still exist. 
We lament the evil of racism. We grieve with you and those who are affected. Have mercy on us. May your spirit awaken your church to be the body of Jesus in our broken world and heal racial divides. Help us to see people as you see people. Bring life to our dry bones and empower us to make the world right again for your namesake. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check out newhopepdx.org to get to know us more.